So Genesis uh, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, hear the word of God. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said to him, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham arose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for an offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told them. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place in which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. And it is said to this day, On the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. The grass withers and the flower fades, and Scripture says the word of the Lord endures forever. All for nothing. Uh, if you can remember 
one phrase from the message tonight is looking at this passage. That's a phrase I want you to, to catch on to if you can hang from the other stuff uh, on that hat. All for nothing. Uh, the gospel, in many ways, is all for nothing. The Christian life is the way we're supposed to live out the call of the gospel after the life of the Christian according to the Bible is in many ways all for nothing. Um, and yes, I recognize the ambiguity of that phrase, that you can take it uh, either of a couple ways. Um, and I'm using that because I want you to recognize the ambiguity of experience in relation to that phrase. That sometimes it's all for nothing, sometimes it feels like it's all for, for nothing. Uh, Abraham's experience described in the passage uh, here fits with that. In, in this text, it seems like he's called to, to give, it, give up all. Uh, and, and for what? Or maybe nothing. Uh, but what you see by the end of it is that he got all uh, for what was actually uh, giving up nothing. Uh, here in this passage and, and again throughout history, God has, has proved the proverb that's, that's mentioned here that the Lord will provide. Right, three times you have, have that. He uh, uses Abraham speaking to Isaac. Where is the lamb? Right, and he says, God will provide. The Lord will provide uh, the burnt offering. Uh, again, um, he names, names that mountain, names that place. The Lord will provide. Um, and so it says, even to this day, when the text is, uh, was, was written, that this proverb was said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The Lord uh, will provide. Uh, and the wisdom of that proverb, of that statement, uh, is seen fully many years uh, later when God's son carries the wood of the cross on his back uh, up on the mountain then of the Lord who, when he became the lamb uh, that was slain for our salvation. And then that we could receive all uh, for nothing. Do you think that the gospel is all for nothing? Um, and for however you see it, are you all in, or, or are you wanting out? Because um, if, if I were Abraham, if I were in Abraham's shoes, um, and this was the test that was given to me, I'd, I'd be wanting out. I'd be looking for a way uh, out. Uh, but this test proves that he's, that he's all uh, in, even though God asks for everything. Uh, so first point that I want us to see, uh, though he asked for everything, uh, the, the Lord will provide all for nothing, though he asked for everything. As you understand this text and how it sits within uh, Genesis, I don't know that there's more that God could have asked of Abraham than what he asked. Right? In the text, you feel, you feel the weight of this. You feel the agony of that suspense of, of, of what's going to happen. The dramatic irony when, when Isaac is asking, where's the lamb? And Abraham's answering. And the answer comes even in a way that Abraham doesn't recognize. Um, and and you, you're here, I feel like if I was watching the text being, being acted out, that you just want to like call out the middle of it, right? Like if you're watching a horror movie, you know, and... You see the person like sneaking up from the from the back. You're like, no, just, like turn around, turn around. <laughs> or someone's gonna call out you know, when when they're all like, oh, there's some noise back there. I'll go check it out. And one person goes off by themselves. 
And they're in the movie theaters like, don't go, don't go. You feel like you've got to call out because you know this thing's coming. You feel like here we hear where it said uh, to, to offer up your son, Isaac, uh, your only son whom you love. Do we, do we just want to cry out, no, no, not this. Uh, not, not this. Um, your son, your only son, Isaac, uh, whom you love. That he's, he's called to give up to the Lord, to even slaughter, sacrifice uh, to the Lord. Now, now listen, God, uh, uh, um, always you see later in Scripture, there's other religions of the time where there was child sacrifice uh, happening that God calls an, an abomination. He punishes uh, many nations uh, for that. Uh, though you still always see in Scripture that, that there is a certain right over the firstborn that God has, that there's uh, offerings made for them to redeem them uh, before the Lord. Um, but you, you see there's this tenderness of expression. Abraham's being asked to give up his child, uh, to give up uh, his son from with his wife, his only son. Ishmael at this point has been, uh, has been removed, has gone off uh, away from them. It's only uh, Isaac now. Um, his son whom he loves. And there's this tenderness, even as you read the text, here's, here's this, their what would be in Abraham, you know, in, in a certain sense, you look at it, is this their last journey together? Here they went up, both of them, together. And Isaac says to his father, Abraham, my father. And he answers, here I am, my son. And you feel that the agony of what, uh, of what this must be like, what it would uh, cost to Abraham with this. But it's more than even just a father uh, giving up a son or a parent giving up a, a child. This is the son of promise. Uh, God has made promises to Abraham specifically about Isaac and everything, that, all these promises he's made that they would come through Isaac. Uh, he called him out of his homeland in, in Haran and Ur of the Chaldees to, to go and to come to this place, this land that God's going to give him. Uh, that he's going to give him a multitude of descendants. He's already said as many as the stars of the sky and as the dust of the earth. And he's going to bring that out. And Abraham said, where's this offspring? I'm waiting for it. What reward will you give me? We looked at last week. And he's, he's waiting from the time that he's uh, 75 all the way until he's 100 before this child is, is given. And here this is their, their only son of, of he and, and Sarah. It's not just their only son. This is the one in whom God's promises will be fulfilled through Isaac. Um, so as you're reading this as an Israelite, you're going, if Isaac isn't, then, then none, of, none of us are. This, this, this nation, God's promises of what he brought out can't be. Um, if you're reading this uh, as a Christian, this is, this is the descent of the Messiah. Here's, here's one who is uh, the, uh, the promised one from whom the greater promised one will come. Uh, this is the seed of the woman that we've seen back in Genesis uh, 3.15, that, will, that through that the world will be uh, made right again, that this uh, injustice will be rectified, that sin will be dealt with, and, and righteousness will be, uh, and victory will be, will be gained. And here it's looked for again, and here through Abraham, this, this covenant promise is moving forward, and now uh, this promised son through whom God's promises will be fulfilled, Isaac is told, uh, Abraham is told to, to give him up to take him uh, to the mountain uh, and sacrifice him there to the Lord. And all that Abraham then has hoped in, 
uh, what he's left his home for in following God, uh, the promises that God's made for him, what he's waited for, what he's agonized over, battles that he's fought, danger uh, that he's gone through, life being risked, uh, trouble, waiting, uh, wandering, all these things. Uh, Isaac finally born, and now he's to die. And it was, it was seen that it's all for nothing. Here, here everything was waited, and here God has brought this, and now seen that it's for nothing. It would, it would come off to nothing. It's about Abraham. It's not just about Abraham. I want to draw that out for you a little bit. The, the call of the gospel is in some ways still a call uh, to give up everything. Um, that God is, is asking uh, for everything. Some realize this uh, uh, more than others. Um, right, where <clears throat> the gospel is not a, something that's just kind of following our own way. Finding a religion that suits us and suits our desires and that we think is respectable and livable or fits with the community of people we're in and so that we're going to go with. Um, it's, it's not something in which we can continue to, to hold on to our pride or to hold on uh, to our many of our goals that we would take or hold on to our riches, right? You think of Jesus speaking with the, the rich young uh, ruler and the man turns away sad. Jesus says, you know, it'd be easier to go through the eye of a camel and for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. That we can't have all the things that we want, and, and there's a giving up that God's asking uh, us. Jesus says it's a, it's a narrow way, and there's the wide way, right? Uh, but it, it's a narrow way, and there's few who enter it. Um, because you can't bring a lot with you uh, down, that, down that narrow way. Uh, there's, a, there's a count in the cost, uh, involved in the gospel, um, right? Jesus in Matthew eight says, uh, <coughs> um, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny even himself and take up his cross. He's going to suffer on toward death. Take up his cross and follow me. Uh, whoever uh, would save his life actually lose it. It's kind of hard to give up the hope of saving your life." Um, of the goals that we set for, for this is what we're, we're wanting. Uh, what if that impacts your friends? Mary Poplin at the Veritas Forum the other night, she's talking about some of her story, her conversion. She said, you know, when she became a Christian, that um, she lost all but, but two of her friends. Um, I've sat down and talked with students before who um, were... Uh, agnostics and looking into the gospel and felt a certain move that way. And I had a, had a girl sit there and say to me, it, if I was to believe this, if I was to live according to this, all the people that, that I hang out with now wouldn't want to be around me. And I know that. And I, and I don't know where, I don't know that I have a safe place to go to. Something that we're, we're, we're giving up. Um, that's from coming toward the faith from outside, even from, from within it. There's doesn't mean you can have what you want. There's, there's things that we're called uh, to give up. Maybe, maybe sometimes it looks like uh, your dream job and the riches that are part of that. I and mean, then you can't have you know, certain jobs and things, but just what you're looking saying, I'm denying myself to follow Christ, and that's what it's about, or I'm looking to have what I want, and maybe Christianity will bring it along, too. Um, maybe it means you have to Give up certain things about grades. You need to be a diligent student. Scripture would call you to that as well. It calls you not just to that. 
If that's the idol that you're saying my life is successful or good if I've got perfect grades on stuff and you're uh, walking over people in your classes and, and not caring for them, you're not taking time for friends and people that are around you to actually be a, a loving neighbor to them, it's something that you're called to give up. Um, certain pursuits of jobs that you would want to have, but, but doing that means crossing boundaries of Scripture. Crime of ethics. Multiple manipulations you have to do to get those jobs. There's walking in it. You're called not to give up. Um, certain hopes for the person that you want to be with, the type of person that you want to be with. And yeah, if you say that you're only going to date like a Christian, all of a sudden that limits the market down at FSU significantly. Right? If you're looking for, or you're you're looking for, what if God doesn't provide that person? Are you going to be asked to give up sexual fulfillment? Um, maybe it's just freedom to spend your time how you want to. Enough time for entertainment, and more movies, or search, searching the internet, and but, but not a living, not denying yourself and giving it all up uh, for the Lord. There's a call of the gospel where He asks uh, for everything. Here for Abraham, um, this, this is His, this is His hopes. These are His greatest joys and His Son and His promise that God had, has given. What your greatest joys and your hopes were about to be smashed? Or how do you react when you feel God drawing some of those things away from you? Because yeah, like we build our lives around certain idols that we think this is what gives us happiness and success, and the gospel begins to pry our fingers off of it, and we just grab in tighter. Um, it, it's, it's so so hard for us. It, it can seem that following God is going to bring, uh, take away everything that we're hoping for, the ways that we've, we've set it up. Uh, Tim Keller, uh, his book, Reason for God, I believe, is... Um, Example of a of a woman saying, if if this gospel, if what God has done is actually all of grace that He's done it all uh, for us, then that's scary. That's dangerous because it means God could actually ask anything from me because He's done it uh, for me. As though He asked of ask everything, though He asked for everything, the Lord will provide. See, how does Abraham respond? Amazing in the text. Doesn't resist. Um, doesn't respond. Doesn't complain. Doesn't argue. Doesn't reason with God. Other times when God said He's going to destroy uh, Sodom and, and Gomorrah and his uh, nephews there, God God reasons with him. God, God, what if there's some good there? Would you would you let it live? What if there was fifty? What if there was forty? What if all the way all the way down? Reasoning with God for this, and here God calls him. Uh, to take his only son and offer him as a burnt offering. And the, the response you have from Abraham is simply verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and moved in obedience to what God had called him to do. Uh, still trusting when everything seemed to the contrary. Um, trusting the, the giver and not the gift. Um, when everything seemed to go to the contrary, he was having to give up everything still, trusting the Lord and walked in obedience with that, um, giving, giving nothing to hope for for a different, different outcome. Still he walks forward. The Lord will provide, right? All for nothing. Though he asked for everything, and secondly, though he asked for everything, and, and though we see nothing, although we see nothing, the Lord will provide uh, all uh, for nothing. Uh, the gospel 
uh, feels, feels it's risky. I, it feels like it's, it's very, like we're risking everything when, we've, when we're seeing nothing. Right? If you're uh, anybody spades players out there, um, you know, I played a little bit of spades uh, at the time or two. You know, this is too far on the rules of spades. You, you know, spades you have to you have to bid on how many how many hands you think you'll you'll take. You and your partner together, and and there's these drastic things that you can do if you're really just getting desperate. You don't think there's any way that you're going to come out of it. You can you can bid before you look at your cards. It's called called blind, right? You can bid a blind nil that you're not going to take any tricks. Or there's even this thing called ten for two. If you get ten tricks, you get two hundred points, right? So, you, so in, in some games you're allowed to to go blind ten for two. <laughs> I haven't seen my cards. I don't know what it's going to get. So I'm going to, I'm going to risk it on the most unlikely thing that maybe I'll get everything out of it. Um, yeah, sometimes I can feel like that's what the, what the gospel... I'm not seeing anything. We've got no little clue that says, oh, see here? Here's the surety you can stake it on this. Or here's at least part of it that's, that's, that's this proof of it. Uh, Abraham's given that. He doesn't see uh, anything that says he's not going to have to offer up his son. Uh, be like in Texas hold Texas Hold'em instead of uh, thinking cars tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> Texas Hold'em right before uh, before the flop, before everything's been turned over. Going ahead and being being all in before you've even looked at your cards. Um, we want to see something. We want to see some glimmer, some hint that it will actually be no risk, or at least little risk, very little risk, and that it will actually work out. Uh, but it's still by faith and not by sight. Um, it's by faith and not by sight. We see nothing. There's no hint. There's no token seen in the text. Um, what does Abraham see? As he's going on this journey. What do you hear him see is verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And the place God had told him not to go to to sacrifice his son. That's the third day of it. God's told him he got up early in the morning, he journeyed all day, journeyed all the next day. This is on the third day. He looks up and he sees the place. Can you imagine the agony of, of, of walking that distance with that burden in your mind of what you're being called to give up? Um, we see nothing. You notice in the text, Isaac, Isaac sees what's missing. Uh, we don't see any hope of something different, but he, he sees that something's missing. Uh, I think maybe this is, the, at least to me, the most moving part of the uh, passage in verse 7. Uh, as you look at it, Isaac said to his father, My father, you know what's happening. We've been told what's coming. Here is the son saying, My father. And Abraham answers, Whatever must have been in mind, Here, here am I, my son. How many more times will we get to be there for a son uh, and answer? And, and Isaac's question is this, look, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, we're, we're going to offer a burnt offering, we've got the fire and the wood, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Where's the thing that's going to be slaughtered as this offering to God? Um, when, I'm, when I'm in the text and actually, uh, it, it, it can, like that's moving almost to the point of tears. Uh, to put yourself in the place of Abraham, here's your son saying, why is it like this? Why don't we have anything he's going to offer? Where, where's the lamb? And everything in Abraham's mind is going, that's going to be you. I can't tell you that right now. 
I'm willing to tell you. Uh, that, I don't know how Abraham didn't like burst out in tears at that point, right? And Isaac's like, Daddy, it's all right if you forgot the lamb. We can go. We can find one or go hunting. Like, why? Are you, why is all this going? Right, but we know what's going on. Isaac sees what's missing. I think sometimes maybe you, you see things that are they're missing. That we want these with these hopes, these these sure things. We can say, okay, I know God's got it all worked out. And we look for that, and we think it's there, and then sometimes it feels like it's there, and then mom drops out, it's missing. God promises to provide, he promises, uh, he promises good things, um, but I don't feel any better now than I, than I did before. I don't feel like I'm a better person, a better Christian, um, than I was six months ago, or three months ago, or five years ago. Um... A lot of times I think that maybe I'm worse. Uh, the more that I try to struggle with something, the more I just see how, how tied up I am. And there's something missing here. I don't see it. I see, I see nothing. Um, life isn't maybe getting better. Since I became a Christian, maybe things have, things have been worse. Um, maybe family stuff has, has tanked further. Maybe college isn't this great experience that you hoped it would be, but it took a lot of the, the fun out of it. Maybe friendships sometimes are good, but maybe other times how they hurt or the successes that you've looked for and thought, here, if I follow the true God to worship Him and, and do things that I'm supposed to for Him, if I'm believing in Him, then things are going to be better, things are going to be right, and it's, it's not going to be better. Something's missing. It's still lacking. Where's the hope that's promised? What about the disciples when Jesus was, was handed over to the authorities? Abandoned him. Here, here was their hope. Here's what they were looking for. All the hope of their promises for, for rescue, for salvation, for God providing a victory for his people were in Jesus. And now Jesus is in someone else's hands, pronounced guilty, and about to be executed. And they can see nothing uh, of any hope uh, coming from that. And as Isaac laid the wood, or Abraham laid the wood for the offering on Isaac's uh, back, and Isaac carries it, Jesus uh, carries the wood of, his, of the cross on his shoulders uh, up the mountain. Where's the, where's the hope of salvation? We don't see, we see nothing. Um, soon the disciples would see something. Uh, soon they would see the empty tomb. Uh, soon they would see Jesus in his resurrected body in the flesh, standing among them, speaking to them, uh, eating with them. Uh, they could touch him uh, and talk with him, be with him. It's what the scriptures have promised. Um, but, but look at how Abraham answers when he sees nothing. Because Abraham sees that there's no token that says, hey, some, somehow other, like we know the end of the story. He's, he's walking through it. He's not told something else is going to work out here. You want actually, uh, Isaac isn't going to die. Abraham's answer, how he speaks to the servants. If they go, it's the, it's the third day in verse 4 and in verse 5, Abraham says to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy, my son Isaac, I and Isaac, we'll, we're going to go over there and worship and come again to you. How's that work out? I'm, I'm going over there with my son. I'm going to uh, kill my son as God's called me to do and both of us are going to come back. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think that made a lot of sense to Abraham. Um, but he knows God's promises. He sees no hope for how this works out and still he walks resting in that. When Isaac answers, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? 
He's got a very good response in that, in that scenario. God will provide. Right now. I don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Uh, I printed on your, uh, one of the passages there on those uh, handouts from Hebrews 11, too, that speaks of Abraham's faith uh, in this instance. Hebrews 11, 17 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he would receive the promises in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And this is how it describes, uh, describes it. It said that Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. And from that, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Um, that even as he walked forward saying, I'm giving up everything, I'm giving up what, the, what God has given me as the fulfillment of his promises and through which his promises will be fulfilled, he still says, if God requires it, then I give it to him and I still trust God to do what he said. Even when, it, when nothing in our mind fits with how this could actually work out. When everything seems to be contrary and no hope is there uh, to, to, to hope in, still, uh, seeing nothing in faith, Abraham trusted God. Uh, in Mark 10, 28, Peter uh, says uh, to Jesus, he says, look, after the rich young ruler, uh, Peter says, look, well, what, what about us? See, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus answers that, uh, that no one who's left a house and mothers and, and, and fathers and brothers and sisters and lands for, for my sake and the gospel will not have a hundredfold now uh, mothers and brothers and sisters and lands and in the age to come eternal life. There's, there's more than what we see. But we don't see it. We're not given the sight of it. When we see nothing, though God asks for everything and we see nothing, the Lord will provide. Provide all the nothing. There's, there's more than what we see. So we come to the third point, uh, that he surely gives more, uh, even much more. And finally, as Abraham uh, takes the wood and builds it into an, offer, an altar, and binds Isaac, his son, uh, upon the altar. And the text puts it in kind of slow motion detail, reaches out his hand uh, to take the knife uh, to slaughter his son. The angel calls out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, uh, do, not, do not harm him. Um, now we can see that God gives uh, more, that he gives much, much, uh, more, even in this, just this, reflecting this, this passage of what it points to. Um, Abraham, in the end, didn't have to give up his, his son. He had to go through all the trauma of being uh, ready to, but his, his hands didn't end the life of his son. He didn't have to see his son's blood uh, flow out, watch, watch him breathe uh, his last. He didn't have to, to go through any of that. Um, and God commends him for his faith that he didn't withhold uh, his son, his only son, whom he loves. He mentions that uh, twice. You see it again in verse uh, 16. Uh, uh, because you've not withheld your son, uh, your only son. Um, God did not withhold uh, his son, 
his only son beloved, um, whom he loved. Um, right? God loved the world uh, so much that he gave his son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would inherit uh, eternal life, everlasting life. Uh, God has given much, uh, much more surely he, he, he provides. Um, now, you know, as we come to verse 13, Abraham can see, can see what he couldn't see uh, before. The angel has spoken not to, uh, not to uh, sacrifice his son. In verse 13, Abraham lifts up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his, by his horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. What a good God has provided. God provided another lamb, another lamb instead of his son. Uh, Jesus was led like a sheep to the slaughter, uh, Scripture says, to be crucified on the mountain instead of us. Uh, as here, it's instead of Isaac, instead of uh, his son, uh, so Christ was offered up for, for what our mistakes deserve. Um, what our lack of faith, what our lack of obedience uh, deserves, what our rebellion against God and the things we don't want to uh, give up and have continued to hold on to, deserving rejection from God and, and punishment from God. Um, and, and Jesus suffered the punishment of that instead of us. Man, like we want God to provide all the time. There's things that you're praying for, that you're looking for, that you're talking to others that you want God to provide in, in our life. And that's great. That's good. The Lord will provide. But it's, it's not just the Lord doesn't just provide uh, some. It's not just you getting some enjoyable temporary thing for a little while. That's great sometimes. That's wonderful. God provides way beyond uh, what we hope for. Uh, but it's not just getting some little thing for, for a time. Uh, it's rescue. It's eternal uh, rescue from ourselves, never to be rejected from God. I'm never to have to, to die in that rejection from God's spiritual uh, death. We're freed. Uh, freed from our slavery to sin, even our own desires, redeemed from it, adopted into God's family, brought into the fullness of His promises. Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb who is slain, Revelation says. Um, worships uh, together from, from peoples from all nations in Revelation. It's the one who is worthy uh, to bring salvation. One who is able to bring uh, us into his eternal perfection. That's what the Lord provides. Um, though it seems we have to give up everything, he, he provides it. Though we can't see how he's going to do that, everything seems to the contrary, that we've got no clues for it yet. Yet God provides much more, more than Abraham could see. The angel of the Lord calls him a second time, verse 15, and, and says these promises again, according to God's oath, and having sworn by himself, uh, because you've done this, I will surely bless you, surely, confidently, blessing I will bless you, surely I will bless you, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens, as the sand that is on the shore. Um, much more than Abraham could see, more than he could see just an object. And your offspring shall shall reign, shall possess the gate of his enemies in this land and beyond it, reigning with Christ. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth uh, be blessed. Uh, Galatians speaks of this as, as God proclaiming the gospel beforehand. The gospel goes out to all nations, all peoples in Christ, that we can uh, turn in repentance in Christ and be uh, forgiven, be accepted by God, though we've screwed up constantly and continue to. Um, that Christ is enough and we get to be forgiven and belong uh, to him. This is, what he, this is what he gives. This is what he promised to Abraham and from this says, surely I will give it. 
I surely I will provide uh, much more than even you know or are looking for. Um, <clears throat> so Abraham rightly names the place the Lord will provide. Uh, and the proverb is right to say, on the mountain of the Lord, uh, he will provide. On the, on the mountain, the Lord will provide it. Will be provided. Um, and even more so, we've seen that in Christ and, and beyond that, the, the heavenly mountain of the Lord, the way Hebrews talks about Mount Zion, the place of, of God's presence. Uh, even the new Jerusalem, as, as Revelation describes it, that city will, will come down from heaven. Uh, the place of, of where God, uh, God's abode comes down to us. There's a new heaven and a new earth. A new mountain, a new city that we're on, where God's throne is there, and His presence is there, and the river of life is flowing down through the middle of the streets of the city. Uh, and a tree of life with all its fruit and pleasantness on both sides in abundance, bearing its fruit in every season. Uh, surely He gives much more. The Lord will provide. The Lord has promised more than all we think or, or can imagine, uh, as Ephesians puts it. The Lord will provide all for nothing, um, which means you can trust the Lord, that the Lord will provide all that you need for nothing from you. It seems that he asks everything, that you can't see the, the hope of the promises. Um, the little things that we worry about look look beyond that. And then it's not easy. It's not, not easy for me. Uh, it's not easy when you feel like when you feel like you're you're losing everything. When you feel like following him means giving up the things that reinforce you that you enjoy that your hopes and, and life are, are built on. It's not easy. When you can see nothing to assure it. Um, when it seems that hope is lost and that it's all for nothing. This whole gospel thing feels like it's all for nothing. This Jesus thing, this Christian life, seems that it's all for nothing. Catch hold of that ambiguity. And remind yourself of what God showed to Abraham here. Hope in the Lord who will provide. Who has already provided his son for our salvation. That we can look to that and hope in that. And that from him, uh, he provides everything, much more than all we can ask or imagine. When it seems like it's all for nothing, the gospel reminds us that Christ gives us all, and he gives it to us for nothing. He provides it all.